Hello, my friends. I am beyond thrilled for today's guest because he is someone who I admire so much. I love his work. I did a whole podcast about his book when it came out because I was obsessed with it. And I thought maybe, just maybe, I can get him on the podcast. And voila, here he is, Mark Manson. So I am super duper excited. If you don't know who Mark Manson is, he is a blogger, author, and entrepreneur. He specializes in writing personal development advice that does not suck, such as his recent book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a F-U-C-K, which I will be saying plenty of times inside of the podcast, but in case you weren't expecting that, I thought I would just give you a heads up in case there are young ears around. His website, markmanson.net, is read by over 2 million people, 2 million people each month. He lives in New York City enjoying cats and whiskey. So going along with that, full disclosure, there's some language in this episode, so know that. Uh, maybe you could have some hear, uh, some headphones in if you need them in, but this episode, I would highly recommend you do not miss out on it because Mark is someone who is going to take a huge weight off your shoulders when he tells you about why you shouldn't be giving out so many Fs to all the things that do not deserve your Fs. Um, yes. So if you're ready to stop getting angry about things you shouldn't be getting angry about or getting wound up in things you shouldn't be getting wound up about or feeling guilty for when you are angry and and then feeling guilty for being guilty and, and, and the, those messes. If you're just tired of those messes and you want to simplify and be okay with not always being okay and learn to cultivate and create some values that are really truthful to you in your life, then Mark is the guy to teach you how to do so. Before we head on over, here's the review of the week. And this comes from Loving Life and Dessert. And she says, MBM is life-changing with five stars. I just discovered Maddie's podcast recently, but I can already feel a dramatic shift in my outlook on life. Her vulnerability about her past is cont contagious, and I've been able to open up to my loved ones about my food anxiety for the first time ever. I suffered from severe ED 15 years ago and have had private ups and downs ever since thinking this was just something I'd have to silently suffer with for the rest of my life. Like a much-needed smack in the face, Maddie will wake you up and make you realize it's just not worth it. I'm eternally grateful for the guidance and fresh perspective Maddie has given me. The world is blessed to have such a gem of a lady with a heart. Thank you, loving life and dessert. That means so much to me. I know I say that about all these reviews, but really, each one does, and they're all so different. So thank you so much for being vulnerable and opening up on this iTunes review. So thank you. Big, 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 big thanks. Other news, I have the Confidence Revival Retreat coming up here in May. This is a once-in-a-lifetime retreat that I'm providing, and I'm beyond stoked to be putting this retreat on. If you're curious about getting more insight on the Confidence Revival, who's it for, you can go to the show notes where I'll have a link to it. You can go to maddiemooncom slash confidence dash revival. But basically, I want you to ask yourself, do you want to look at your past with absolute love and gratitude instead of guilt and shame? Do you crave to wake up in the mornings knowing you're going to not obsess over having the perfect body, but instead you're going to create something beautiful, even if it's just peace within? Have you ever wondered what it would feel like to be that girl who has confidence radiating out of her? 
what do you think it would be like to be the most confident person you know and to believe it, to truly believe that you are this confident person? Not just fake it till you make it, but feel it. Maybe even feel it to heal it if you have some things that need some healing. Well, I would love to invite you to the Confidence Revival Retreat, which is going to be an intimate, all-inclusive gathering for women at the world-renowned Kripalu Center for Yoga and Health in Massachusetts. This holistic, juicy, spiritual center is guaranteed to welcome you into its arms however you are, but invite you to leave the most authentic version of yourself, the true version of yourself. If you're ready to regain your independence, even if you're in relationship or if you're single, if you're ready to go through a transformation in life confidently and powerfully with me by your side, then go to the website for this. Go to the Confidence Revival on my sites. And on that page, you will see the total cost of the retreat, which is for tuition, $1,200. All I need is a $500 deposit to save your spot. And then for the rooms, they're as low as $278 for the entire stay, not for one not for one night, but for the entire stay, rooms as low as $278. And remember, food is provided, the accommodations obviously provided, all of the beautiful arts that we'll be doing and the yoga and the dance and the fitness rooms and the saunas all of that is included in the 1200 price but all I need is a $500 deposit so if you want to come and you want to book your spot now then you can do that today okay and then if you are looking to dive in even deeper with me then please apply for my one-on-one coaching I will be opening up spots for that shortly like I've said in a couple episodes I have three spots for that that will be opening up I would love to have you apply if you feel like you are someone who really, really is dedicated and committed and ready to growth and change and you just want someone on your team. You want someone in your corner that you can share things with, open up to, and really see the changes in your life. Not not just visualize what changes you want in your life, but actually see them come to life. I can do that with you. I have had the most incredible clients And that's because I choose incredible clients to work with. But I have seen wonderful things happen. People come to me with still having eating disorders and leave being intuitive eating coaches. I've had people come to me with body image issues and leave as business owners. People who have started movements and have broken out of their perfectionism and their masculine mindsets and have really stepped into their femininity, given up perfection. So if you want that to be you and you're ready for that, then please apply. There is a link to that on the show notes for this episode, uh, episode 139. And that is all the announcements I have today. Get ready for one of the best shows ever. Let's go. You are now entering the Mind Body Musings podcast. If you find yourself hungry for growth, eager for inspiration, and longing for self-improvement, welcome home. Hosted by motivational speaker and life coach Maddie Moon, you can be certain you will learn how to change your life in magical ways in each and every episode. Are you ready to stop caring what other people think? Is it time you break limiting beliefs and empower your whole being? Do you know how to use the one life you've been given to the absolute fullest? Join Maddie Moon and her inspirational guests every Wednesday for the life 
life-altering discussions on freedom, vulnerability, abundance, and so much more. For more insight, grab your free gift on MaddieMoon.com and uncover your own once-in-a-lifetime greatness within. If you have kind words to say, feel free to leave a review on the show in iTunes or send your favorite episode to a friend. We look forward to hearing your insights and growing together in unexpected ways. And now, without further ado, here's your host, Maddie Moon. Hey, and welcome back to the show, everyone. This is episode 139, and I'm here with Mark Manson, the author of, you know that book that you always tell people, if I could recommend one book to someone, it would be blah. Well, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck is that book for me. I absolutely love this book. It was an awakening of my soul in the most odd way. It really just took a weight off my shoulders. And so for that reason, I had to get Mark on the show after emailing him several times. He said yes. So here he is. Welcome to the show, Mark. It's good to be here, Maddie. And uh, I'm very, very flattered and honored (laughs) by your kind words about my book. Well, I mean it. I mean every word. So I'm kind of nervous. I don't know if you can tell, but I get nervous every so often when I speak to someone that I'm really excited about. So if I stumble over my words, just know that's probably why. And it's it's okay. okay. That that's what that's what editing's for. Exactly. Yeah. But I don't <laughs> edit, so everyone will probably hear it. Um so the very first thing I want to ask you, I don't want to do the whole what's your background and story thing with you, but I do want to ask you what got you started writing with your blog? What motivated you to begin just with the blog? That's my main intro question, then we'll jump right on in. Sure. Um, I actually got my arm twisted in the starting a blog back in 2007. Um, I was living with two roommates, and they both kept kept blogs. That's back when like, I think WordPress and Blogspot just came out. And they thought it was really cool because they would share it with their friends and and they would were always bugging me like, dude, you should start a blog, man. And I was like, that's stupid. Nobody's going to read my blog. Come on. And uh, but eventually I gave in the peer pressure and, and here I am 10 years later, a professional blogger. So shows how much I knew at the time. Um, but yeah, it's I actually in in the beginning I didn't take it too seriously. I, I blogged for a few years just just for funs, for shits and giggles, and um, and then later on I started getting into internet business, and that's that's when I decided like, hey, I should maybe take this seriously and see where it goes. Do you find that you still aim to maintain that outlook on your blog that it's something for you and something for fun? as you continue to gain all these followers? Because I feel like that's probably why it's been such a huge success. Yeah, I, I honestly, one of the most common pieces of writing advice I give anybody is that you need to write for yourself first. Uh, one one common piece, of, one, one, one way I've seen it said by other people is that write for yourself, edit for others. Um, but I definitely... One thing I see in a lot of people that they get stuck is that they approach writing as something that is supposed to get attention or supposed to like um, that it, they they do it with the reader in mind. That's actually the opposite. You have to like be a little bit selfish about it if you're going to get anywhere. Mm, okay, so what? What do you think whenever you get on, let's say, Facebook or you get on something with Google and you have all these ads targeted to you about how to be a 
better writer and how to relate more to your audience. Because coming from my background of starting in one direction, I've gone so many different directions with my writing and my story. Um, but I find that when I get online, it's so interesting how many courses and programs are like, here's how you become a better, better copywriter, or here's how you relate yeah. to your audience more. And I used to eat that up and there are still days where I will go back to those and revisit. But if anything, if, if anything, they make me more overwhelmed and frustrated and probably disconnect with my audience yeah. more because I'm trying to have this perfect line where it, it becomes not real. Yeah. I, I think the key, I mean, it, it's important to think about your audience and, and, you know, you want everybody, every writer wants to be read by a lot of people. Like that's just part of the deal. But I think where people get lost is, is they lose that, that just simple <laughs> joy of writing. You know, when I sit down to write an article, my first question isn't, <laughs> Hey, what's going to get a lot of Facebook likes? My first question is, what do I think would be cool to write about? Like, what 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 would I think is a lot of fun to read? And um, that has to be your starting point. And then, like, once you've found something that you think is cool, then you can kind of look at it and say, like, hmm, you know, would other people like this? What can I do? Maybe add something here. Um, but that that personal excitement has to always be there. Or else you're just going to get burned out and it's going to turn into like a grind like anything else. Mm, yeah, that's beautiful. I completely agree. So moving over, transitioning to your book, I want to clear up any confusion people could have about the title because I understand that's <laughs> possible. Um, so one of the quotes that you have in the book that I absolutely loved and I wanted to read it is, the problem is that giving too many fucks is bad for your mental health. It causes you to become overly attached to the superficial and fake to to dedicate your life to chasing a mirage of happiness and satisfaction. The key to a good life is not giving a fuck about more, it's giving a fuck about less. Giving a fuck about only what is true and immediate and important. So when, if you can even try remotely to pinpoint a time in your life when you had this realization of, whoa, I'm giving too many fucks out, when was that? And, and how did that come to be and, and this book idea came to be? Oh, man. I mean, I look back, I mean, this book is very much informed. So I'm, I'm going to turn 33 in a few weeks. And, um, I, a lot of the inspiration of this book came from kind of the maturing that I went through, uh, between my 20, as my twenties ended and my thirties started, uh, my, I look back now at my twenties and I see a person Still a cool person, but somebody, a guy who was very, very caught up in a lot of frivolous shit and, um, you know, big party guy trying to be cool all the time, trying to do all this like really awesome, impressive stuff. Basically, a guy who's just trying too hard. And one of the big, uh, big shifts for me the last five years of my life was, um, was just learning how to let go of a lot of that stuff. Learning how to just accept, like, you know what, like, you're not gonna do everything you want to do in your life, like, and that's okay. Like, that doesn't ma mean you're a failure, or like, not everybody you you meet and want to hang out with is gonna like you, and like, that doesn't make you a loser. So, um, it was learning how to let go of a lot of that stuff and learning how to how to just be okay with uh with not having it or or, or failing in a sense. 
that it actually brought a lot more calm and peace into my life. Um, and so to me, this was like kind of a big eye opener. And that was the starting point uh, where this book came from. Is there something occurring in your life now where you're having to look at it and say, okay, Mark, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Don't give a fuck. Don't give a fuck. <laughs> like some, some new, like almost 30 year old transition trial that you're facing and it's out of the normal territory that you've had to go through? I think the one area right now that I find myself getting like emotionally worked up about and I'm not sure because this is the hard part. Like I, I always tell people, I say the most important word in the title of the book is subtle. Uh, it's not fuck. <laughs> it's not <laughs> not giving a fuck. It's the subtle art because it's not. I mean, essentially, the book is about learning how to what's what's worth caring about and what's not. And that's not an easy question to answer. It's something that requires a lot of thought and attention. And um so the thing that I find myself struggling with right now is I'm very concerned about uh, kind of I think w w I think the Internet, like I think the honeymoon with the Internet is over. And I think we're waking up with a hungover, a hangover and uh, and realizing that, like, there's actually a lot of pernicious effects going on in our society that's caused by this technology. And this gets me worked up a lot. And a lot of like the political stuff that happens as a side effect gets me worked up a lot. And there's a voice in the back of my head that's like, chill out, Mark. The world's not ending or anything. Like, <laughs> like there's things have been much worse before. Like, this isn't, this isn't, you know, don't overreact. But, um, I find myself, one of my goals for 2017 is to kind of disconnect a little bit and start getting a lot more, um, cognizant of what information I'm consuming or what information I'm allowing into my life. So I'm curious if you have any kind of action plan to go about this, because I fall prey, I would say, to this social media dissatisfaction comparison disorder, whatever you want to call it. But yeah. I'll get on and social media can just like really take hold. And so I have to make very conscious decisions to get off and get away. But having a business, I'm sure you relate to this a lot, having a business that's online, very much online, it's important to be able to put your content in different places or even just stay up to date with the world too. So yeah. how do you stay up to date, which is something I'm really bad at, by the way, I'm super bad at staying up to date with the world because I don't watch the news and I don't read newspapers, anything like that. Um, so I'm, my goal is to back down, but also become more aware or more conscious of absorbing the right kind of information that I do need to at least stay up to date. It's just, yeah. it can take hold so fast. Well, you definitely picked a bad time to start reading news because <laughs> I think the whole news media industry is in a crisis moment at, the, at right now. Like nobody knows what to believe or what to do anymore. Mm -hmm. um, but one thing that's helped me a lot is, well, I could say two things. Actually, one thing I did a few years ago, which was one of the best things I ever did, is I drew a very, very stark line between my personal life presence uh, on social media and online and my business life presence. And um, that was like, it, it was amazing. It was because I think when you, when you start out, you know, doing a podcast or 
you know, if you're like a YouTube person or something, you're you're kind of taught. You're like, well, you're the brand. Like the person is the brand, and you're supposed to engage with people as much as possible. And so you kind of end up in this murky area where you're like trying to connect with thousands of people, and um, but it 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 doesn't feel what it does. It just puts a lot of emotional strain on you. It puts a lot of pressure on you to like always, you know. Like if you want to post something on Facebook, and it's no longer just like, "Hey, is this something I think?" It's like, "How does this reflect on my my YouTube channel? How does this reflect on my brand? Like, could this screw up a book deal I'm trying to get?" And um, I once I separated those two things, like my life got much better. The other thing I did last year is I decided to get really, really merciless about unfriending people and unfollowing, uh, like marking certain posts and and content as like I don't want to see this anymore. <laughs> like I I just got cold-hearted and brutal about it and um and I felt a little guilty for like a week and then again my life got so much better just because it simplified the what I was being exposed to. You know, I kind of realized I'm like, you know what, there's only a few dozen people that I really really want to hear from on a regular basis. Um, there's only like some to- like a few topics that I really care about enough to like read about or hear about every morning. Um, so like, why am why am I like sitting here spending hours like going through videos and reading about like you know conspiracy theories and crap? Like, why is this <laughs> why is this invading my life? Like, I don't need to let this into it. Mm-hmm. What I find interesting because I've done something similar recently. Um, but I, I've typically found myself wanting to unfollow and say, I don't want to see this with the material or content or people that are most closely in my realm because mm-hmm. it, it, it feels like their ideas can become in, ingrained in my head. And I don't know if they're really mine. And sometimes it's just, it hits too close to home or I can get feelings of anxiety when I see someone else. And I'm just being honest. If I see someone else like yeah. doing something that I wish I did first, um, I might be like, I wish I had done that. And it just creates weird feelings. So I have started to unfollow a lot of people who are in my space and people creating courses and content that would typically be interesting to me because I find the people I follow the most, like I follow you and I follow um, some travel bloggers and Mm -hmm. um, people who talk about minimalism, like the minimalists, like just totally unrelated to what I do. And I find a lot of outside inspiration from that kind of content when it's not directly related to whatever I'm, I'm doing in my business. And I really enjoy that. And that's increased the quality of my life so much. So that way, if I'm writing something about abundance or relationships or self-care, it really truly is just from me. And there's no outside uh, inspiration or or everything really to some extent is inspired from something else, but it's not directly related to someone else. Yeah. Well, and it forces you to think about your business in new ways because you're not, um, you're no longer just like, you know, chasing you know, what somebody else is, it's like, oh, well, they did that. I, I need to do that too. And it's like, it, it actually allows you to sit and come up with your own ideas and your own identity, which is cool. I, I did the same thing back when I was in the dating advice space. Like I just, 
I felt everybody was like saying the same thing. So I was like, I don't want to like listen to this anymore. I'm going to go read other books. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to go read psychology books. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of what it is. That, 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 ex- that explains it much better because it really just yeah. isn't. I'm getting, it's like, it's making me bored of what I'm doing because it's yeah. everywhere. And so when I stop surrounding myself with the same thing over and over, I feel like what I'm saying is at least kind of original. It might not be, but it at least feels that way. Well, and, and one of the problems with, social media is like and on all these algorithms that are like designed to show you the same thing like you get this it's very easy on the internet i've found to get an inaccurate perception of what the world is like so you know let's say like you're you being in your space like you see you get on facebook one day and you see like six people uh the post from like six different people basically saying the same thing like you'll get this distorted perception of like oh that's what everybody's doing these days that's what the world is like these days and it's actually not like that's it's this very um skewed view of of what's going on like you your facebook is like amplifying a minority of people for you and so i think it's useful to like try to get away from that or or not rely on it so much i guess Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true in so many different areas of life too. Like just if you're surrounded by a certain kind of people or based on where you live, because where I yeah. live, I live in a bubble. So I live in Boulder Yeah. and it's just, have you ever been to Boulder? No, but, um, I, I know people. Who it's a wonderful place. There. Yeah. They're, I mean, I'm assuming that the people that you know are kind of like all the people cause we are all so similar. Yeah. who live here. And so sometimes I, t- I just, I don't know what is going on in the world. And I forget that the world <laughs> is so different from Boulder. And since I don't watch the news and I, 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 I don't take part in many of those political conversations, I live in Boulder and I'm always online in this self-care development, personal growth field. I think my sure. idea of the world is pretty skewed. And to some extent, I'm okay with that because I like my version of the world, but on the same side i'm like no i need to know more so i have to take well what you would say i have to take radical responsibility for the fact that i am not educated on all things and if i want to be i have to take control of that and become yeah and and i do think there is it's funny one of the most common you know so the release of my book obviously coincided with the election of trump so in doing all, all of these interviews especially with like more mainstream media people um, it was pretty much impossible for me to, to avoid the question of like, should we give a fuck about politics? Should we give a fuck about the election? Should we give a fuck about Trump? And my answer to that question, and it's something that I, I try to live by and, and I would say it to you in this situation as well is I do, I definitely do buy into the argument of like, as a citizen of a democracy, we have some sort of civil civil responsibility to like have a baseline knowledge of what's going on. Like you don't have to like read dozens of articles and become an expert on policy issues and stuff, but it's like definitely, I, I definitely start to feel guilty if I feel like I don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. And, and um, I come from a, a family that's like extremely engaged in politics. And I think, that's like rubbed off on me that I'm it's like, Hey, I'm fortunate enough to live in this place that like allows me to do these things. So, um, you know, we don't want to fuck it up. So I should probably like 
<laughs> know what the government's doing every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I agree with you and my parents are as well. They're just on the total opposite side of the spectrum of me. So Yeah. Even then I'm like I just don't want to have these conversations with y'all because it's so difficult sometimes, but I agree with you a baseline is a great starting point. Um so another thing that I wanted to point out you said another quote that you said which ties in with everything we're talking about is beautiful. I love this quote. The desire for more positive experience is itself a negative experience. And paradoxically, the acceptance of one's negative experience is itself a positive experience. I love this. I love this so much. And I think this is one of the quotes that made me stop and really think because being in this this world of personal development I feel like I'm always hungry for more. I'm always hungry. And in my mind, it's hungry for inspiration and growth. But I know I'm very self-aware and I know when I cross a line and it can be easy to cross where you are consistently searching for more and more. Didn't you say something in some podcast, um, maybe it was the Art of Charm, about if self-help books worked, we'd read like one or two or something like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> it wouldn't be like a $10 billion industry. <laughs> yeah. We'd read one or two. Yeah. And that, that again, I'm like, whoa, that's, that is so true. So do you like personal question, do you go out there and read a whole bunch of books like this? Or do you feel like all your, all your wisdom comes from within? <laughs> I feel like my wisdom comes from other places. Um, I did read a lot. I I dive pretty deep into like the self-help, self-development world in my teens and early 20s. And um, a lot of my, I can be pretty harsh towards that world um, these days on my blog and also in my book. I take, I definitely take some shots at it. Uh, and I think a little bit of that is, is just personal resentment <laughs> because I think I was one of those people who got way too into it. And um to, like I got so far into it that it, it wasn't it was hurting me it wasn't helping me but I do think there are there are a lot of interesting paradoxes with just the whole idea of self-improvement in general and and you know one of one of the ones that I've that's always kind of keeps me awake at night is like if you always like the a person who reaches a point where they they don't need to grow anymore um or or they feel as though like they're they're like happy and content and their life is great would also not feel a need to that they need to grow or develop anymore and um and so you you get into this weird thing where it's like well in that case if you're looking to improve yourself then you're basically telling yourself that something's not good enough and you're still unhappy and um and that's when that's kind of where all this backwards law stuff comes from. And uh, the backwards law is it's what Alan Watts called it. And then the quote you read is kind of my summary of it. But um, you know, Alan Watts used to say he's like he's like if you're if you're always chasing happiness, like you're never going to be happy because you're too busy chasing it. You're basically you know happiness is a state of mind, and if you feel like you need to find it, then you're basically putting your mind in a state that's not happy. Um, and there's a, there's a famous, uh, I think it's also in the book. There's a famous, our, uh, Camus quote, the philosopher who said, uh, if you're always looking, uh, 
you'll never find happiness if you're always looking for what it consists of. And, um, and so, yeah, it's just kind of like at some point you have to decide like I'm good enough and I don't need to read like a bunch of books about it (laughs) anymore. (laughs) Like not reading the books is part of that is part of being good enough is not feeling this like need to change. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think that like happiness books, like specifically books that are like, the happiness XYZ or how to be happy. Right. Like, do you think that is one of the first places to start is to stop reading these books specifically all on the topic of happiness? I think there's a very wide spectrum of how useful those books are, uh, with one end of the spectrum being, in my opinion, just complete garbage. <laughs> like it's just a bunch of like feel good fluff. Um, and then on the other end of the spectrum, I think there's actually there are some very interesting books written about happiness. And to me, at least, the most interesting ones come from a few different uh, researchers and psychologists. Uh, my favorite one, it's called Stumbling on Happiness by Daniel Gilbert. And that that book blew my mind because he's um, Gilbert. He's a Harvard psychologist. He is like one of the first researchers to ever start studying happiness and like what he found was completely ass backwards it was basically like yeah actually you're ha- being happy does actually has very little to do with like what you actually do with your life and um and that it, it's and honestly like trying to be happier is is kind of it's like running on a treadmill um it's not necessarily like you're probably not really doing anything but making yourself tired and like i read that i i'm just like my mind's blown and and um and it completely reoriented how i saw uh not just happiness but like what the definition of of a better life was Mm, yeah i like that so happiness has always been something really kind of confusing to me, I guess. And I think that's because whenever I was younger, when I was in high school, I had some, I'll just say family members who were very nervous that I was a depressed person. And Mm -hmm. they were so fearful of that, that they kept trying to push medication on me. And I was really young and I thought I was happy. Like I thought I was a very happy person. I had friends, blah, blah. This was actually probably more around college age. And um, they just kept saying like, you are not happy. You need medicine. I kept fighting it and fighting it. You need medicine. And then I uh, somehow I got mono probably in college taking shots or something, but I got mono and I got really sick and I ended up getting a form of depression with that. And Mm -hmm. Um, then I didn't even know I had mono at the time, but my mom was like, okay, well let's put you on this medication. So I got on some depression meds. I got, I got through the mono. I was fine. I was really realized I don't need these anymore. So I stopped taking them and I was totally fine. But I always remembered from that point on, like that I don't understand what happiness is because I was told that over and over and over and over. And it really mess with me. But I understand now I'm, I understand after doing a lot of introspection and, and looking at the family dynamics, where they were coming from, they wanted to protect me as much as they could because of other family members. I have an aunt that committed suicide whenever, before I was even born because she was not 
you know, she was depressed. And so I think they were just right. very, very, very concerned that would happen to me. So I grew up always questioning, like, what is this happiness thing? I don't understand, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And then probably about five years ago, I, I released all of that and I said, let it come to me. It, it's somewhere. But that's an interesting part of my life that I haven't really thought about and made this connection with until this conversation right now. Yeah. But it's interesting to think about that, just this pursuit of happiness and how another person, possibly another person's um, suggestions or, or beliefs in you could really morph what, if you even think that you have happiness or not, but you totally do. You can, you have it. Yeah. Well, and I mean, for me personally, like I spent many years basically on the assumption that happiness was feeling good. And I think that's, I think that's an assumption a lot of people make. And they just they just believe and it took me a long time to learn that some, sometimes being happy requires pain and struggle and actually sometimes it's better to like struggle in your life for something meaningful than to simply feel good about a bunch of stuff that that isn't very meaningful and uh but yeah it's 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 and i think a lot again coming kind of coming back to the self-help world i think a lot of people who come to self-development they don't they just kind of have this assumption of like i should be feeling good all the time um i think that's a that's a that's a narrative in our culture that we receive is that like you should be feeling great all the time like job should be going great relationships should be going great uh family should be going great like you should be doing cool things and having fun with your friends and the the truth is is that life sucks sometimes and there's not really there's nothing you can do about it and that that's actually okay like that doesn't make you a bad person or it doesn't make you like people struggle that's completely normal and um i think just the simple like lack of acknowledgement of that um kind of drives people into these spirals where they're always seeking all the time and uh never feeling like they're actually getting anywhere mhm yeah and i i see this a lot i see this a lot, a lot with my clients and friends and myself, where if I'm in some sort of rut, instead of thinking of it as a season, I may think of it as like a struggle or something I need to change and fix. Yeah. And I feel like since reading your book, I've been able to work on that a lot and realize that there are certain times in the, in, in the year or in my life where things just aren't fantastic and that's fine. And I need those things to happen in order to really feel the awesomeness of the awesome times in my life. Yeah. Like you need that balance. And would you say that people who feel disconnected from being okay with not being okay, their first plan of attack is to back off of the media consumption? Um, it depends. I think it depends on the individual. I, I definitely think a a lot of what goes on in the media and when I say media, I don't, I'm not talking about news specifically anymore. I'm talking about just kind of commercials and TV shows, etc. Um, I think it's, it's important to, to get away from that stuff, at least for a time, just to be able to evaluate like maybe some of the, uh, the, the narratives or the stories that, that you've bought into. Um, you know, one thing I did, I, I traveled around the world for, for a while. And, um, one of the great things about living 
in different cultures is is you start to you start to see uh, like a lot of stuff that you thought was universal is not universal. It's actually just part of your home culture. And then there's a lot of stuff that you didn't think was universal and it's totally universal. And one thing that was very valuable for me of that time was it helped me recognize a lot of assumptions that I had about life that um, were really just kind of fed to me by like TV and movies and comic books and stuff you know like it's like wait a second this isn't how this isn't how life actually works um see i mean one thing i think one thing that's particularly typical about of american culture american culture has this obsession um over like success and like and typically that that means like financial or material success. But I think that also that ambition, Americans are extremely ambitious. And I think that ambition also bleeds over into other parts of life. So like Americans think like, like it's not good enough to just have a few good friends. You got to have tons of good friends, you know, and like you can't just like have a cool birthday. You got to have like the best birthday party. And um, and it's this there's something I I, I have a I have a saying that I that I use a lot, which is uh, the best part of, of a country is also the worst part of a country. And I think the thing that makes the United States so so great, which is the ambition and the drive to always improve things and push things forward, is also one of the worst things about the country. Because people who are const- constantly feel like they need to be better, um, it's they're basically shaming themselves. They're basically kind of demoralizing themselves. Um, I get, I can't tell you how many emails I get from college kids who are like, I don't, you know, and they're very typical college kids, you know, like they go to a good school, they make decent grades, they have friends that are like in a fraternity or sorority, they have a part-time job and they like, they email me upset because they feel like they should be like having the time of their life and, doing all these crazy things that they see on TV and movies, uh, but they're not. And because, because that, because they set that bar so high, uh, they're just kind of making themselves miserable when in reality, like their life's pretty good as it is. (laughs) Like there's, there's not really anything wrong with it. Um, so I, I think I, it's a double edged sword, you know, the same thing that, that propels us forward is also something that kind of like introduces a lot of shame and pain into the culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is so true. And for people who read your work, they probably think your life is one way when in reality, your life is probably pretty similar to theirs. Like you have struggles, you have good nights, you have bad nights, you may have financial woes at some times you have financial successes at other times. Like it's not the, this, huge, ginormous difference between all of us. Because I remember when I, um, I'll speak for myself when I was three years ago, when I was just getting started with my business, I was looking at people who I am where they were then. And I thought they were just so, so different. And I imagined their life completely different. Like, I just want to be like you. I want to have my business up and running. I want to clients streaming in. And now I'm at this certain place where I, I believe I'm where they were when I was looking at them. And it, I don't even realize I'm there. That's, yeah, right. that's the truth. I don't even realize <laughs> I'm there. 
It doesn't feel any different. It doesn't feel any different. And I still am, I'm still, it's easily, it's very, very easy to still look up and look at other people and, and imagine their life one way and think one day I will be there. And then one day I will be there and I won't realize it again. So yeah. it's yeah. so important to be able to look at your life and, and admire it and see it for all it's the beautiful things going on because that grass that you think is so, so green, it's probably not. It's probably the exact yeah. same grass that you have right now. Yeah. It's, you know, wherever you go, there you are. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and it's funny too, because if you think about like people who meet celebrities or uh, like, what's the one thing they always say? Oh, he's such a normal guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's, oh, he's just like us, you know, like, and it's, of course he is. He's, he's a person, you know, like there's just because he's in a movie or made an album, you know, it doesn't mean that he's, uh, like this amazing godlike person. I, I think we have a tendency to put people on pedestals. And the truth is, is that, um, no matter where you go in life, like it's going to be full of problems and struggles and insecurities and no amount of money or fame or success or, even happiness changes that. Um, it's in fact, I would say true happiness is learning to become comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I read something recently that said, um, I, I thought you were on a pedestal, but I was really just on my knees. And I thought that was really interesting. Oh, cool. Yeah. It was a good yeah. visual. Cause it's like, you think someone is way up high, but you're just really putting yourself down low. So it's, yep. it's very, it's very truthful for how, that happens. Um, I did want to touch on the feedback loop from hell. Can you explain what this is for my lovely readers? And sure. Um, the feedback loop from hell is when we, uh, basically it's when we judge our negative emotions. So like, let's say you have a problem with anxiety and, uh, you decide that anxiety is this horrible thing that you want to get rid of. Uh, well, the problem with that is that now you'll start becoming anxious about the idea of being anxious. So it actually compounds your anxiety. And then once you realize that, you start becoming anxious at the thought of being anxious about being anxious. And it's kind of this just this downward spiral of um, adding on more and more crap to to whatever negative feeling, you know, and the same can happen for anger, you know, like people get angry at the fact that they get angry so often or they feel guilty because they feel guilty all the time. And um, the way to get out of the feedback loop from hell is to simply not give a fuck about the negative emotion. It's to simply say, wow, I'm really anxious. But you know what? Like, who cares? Being anxious is part of life. And this is, you know, it happens sometimes. Or, you know, getting angry is like, yeah, I get angry sometimes and I'll try to be better, but that doesn't make me a bad person. Um, it's removing that judgment from that negative experience, because if you judge it, it just it's you're just going to keep creating negative experiences. Oh, yes. So, so true. Another thing I would add to that that I found very helpful is to stop asking people what you should do when something like this happens, like. <laughs> when I would get anxious and then anxiety and then anxiety builds, whatever, I would like try to go find someone who's an expert on anxiety and ask them like, this is my story, blah, 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 blah. And I would just write this huge thing like, what do I do? 
you know, and it's just like <laughs> that was feeding it. And then and then I would get anxious because this person didn't respond within 24 hours and I'd be embarrassed because my story didn't make any sense. So I'm going to go respond to this other person. And then before oh, I know it, I respond. I've asked like three people what to do about something. And then I get three different answers back like within that week. And then I'm embarrassed for asking so many people. And then I've maybe I, I've even moved on. So I've moved on and I'm fine now. But then that brings me back to where I was. And then I get anxious again. Like that's another thing I've, if anyone out there does that, maybe don't. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I get so many emails like that, which is, and they'll send me this huge life story. And really all it boils down to is like, I'm sad. What do I do? And I'm like, <laughs> dude, life sucks sometimes. Be sad. It's okay. You're allowed to be sad. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wish most people would give that advice because I think a lot of people are like, well, I have this e-course that you can sign up for. And it's yeah, a very right. helpful e-course. <laughs> for three payments of <laughs> yeah. 119 Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you normally respond to people whenever they send you those emails? Um, I, You know, I used to. I, I actually, I made it a big priority for many years to, to respond to as many as I could or as, as many as was reasonable. But unfortunately, like, the last year or two it's just gotten it's gotten absurd and uh and my my responsibilities and and energy for it has has dwindled so now I, now i pick and choose my spots um especially when stuff like like if i feel like an email has been answered in my book or something um then yeah i just i let it go it's like go read the book yeah yeah, and that's also hard. That's hard when you open your email and it's nothing but sadness. Like, yeah. it's hard on you emotionally because you have to get into a certain state of mind. And I'm sure after years of doing that, of answering those, <laughs> like, I yeah. mean, you've paid your dues. You've helped a lot of people. And now you have this awesome tool, this awesome book yeah. that it can help everyone. So Yeah, and it's it's the more years I do this, too, the more I'm kind of like, you know, some people, they send me, like, really, like, really rough stuff, you know? Like, they're going through some really hard stuff in their life. And sometimes I open the, these emails and I'm like, I'm just a guy on the internet. Like, <laughs> what? I don't know you. I don't know your family. I don't know your husband or wife. Like, and you're, now you're asking me whether you should get a divorce or not? Like, I don't know, man. I'm not going to say yes or no. <laughs> like, <laughs> so yeah it's hard it's definitely hard i feel that those people too when they send those emails just the writing experience like even if you're not responding yeah. for them the writing experience is therapeutic therapeutic and yeah, it's gonna help it them is. so like you are holding this awesome space you are finally someone that someone you know thousands of people out there feel safe with and can can ask these deep questions to so even if you don't respond they probably gain an understanding or some insight into what to do because they'll probably feel it the minute they press send yeah i definitely i definitely agree with the value in that and, and i've had a lot of people say that you know like because they'll send me a huge email and i'll just reply with like I don't know, like, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> and and they'll, they'll be like, well, you know, just the pro the fact I wrote this is actually very helpful. So <laughs> it's like, 
cool. Good. There you go. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I I want to go to a quick fire round, but in your book, the last thing I want to ask you, in your book, you you talk a lot about um, values and and metrics. So I'll I'll let everyone get the book to learn more about those and to also learn about your counterintuitive values, which I think are spot on. But personally speaking, what what's your value and what is what is your metric for it? Um, well, other than the ones in the book right now, I mean, the ones in the book, the values in the book, which are responsibility, uncertainty, failure, rejection, and death, um, those are all very abstract. So they're kind of like, they're almost like principles Mm -hmm. that I try to live by. Um, the values, the things that like I'm very focused on caring about right now, um, I have kind of tied into the whole not giving a fuck thing i've decided i've made a conscious effort in my life the past few years to put a lot more value and emphasis on the close relationships in my life so um i just got married that's a big part of it but also family like i'm making much more of an effort to be in touch with family and make time for them um spend time with close friends make make some new friends um, because I spent many, many years, um, I, like I said, I was traveling around the world and I, I was just very, my life was very transient. Um, so I had a lot of fun, but I was always in like a new country or a new place or doing some new crazy thing. And while that was very exciting, it didn't really, uh, it had like a, a deteriorating effect on a lot of the, the relationships and commitments in my life. So the last few years, it's it's my big focus has just been getting back to those, and um, and I feel really good about it. You know, like I feel good. Um, whereas, you know, six seven years ago, I would have scheduled my my winter around like some crazy vacations. Now it's like I schedule a lot of my my time around uh, people, like spending time with people, seeing people, doing fun things with with friends and family. So I feel very good about that. Oh, I love it. That's so good. That that's beautiful. Thank you. So time for quick fire. They're not like the quickest quick fire questions <laughs> are a little bit deeper, but I'm going to stick with the name quick fire anyways. Okay. Okay. Um, what are three words to describe you? Oh boy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Uh, I guess nerdy, um, fun, and I'm trying to think. What what word describes somebody who basically spends his entire life in gym clothes and sweatpants? Um, comfortable. <laughs> comfortable. There you go. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. Okay, so I know you love whiskey so much so that it's in your bio. What is your favorite kind of whiskey? I'm definitely I'm a bourbon guy. Um, mm. I'm trying to branch out. Actually, I I I became friends with a guy here in New York who's like huge Scotch guy, and he's kind of been like teaching me about it. But um, yeah, when it's all said and done, I I like my bourbon. Do you have a particular kind that you like, a brand or something? Um, my go-to is usually Maker's Mark, but, um, I'm, I'm, I'm experimenting, you know, I'm trying a bunch of different brands, uh, but 
it's like yeah, it's something different every month, probably. So didn't say. I just bought this book. Um, it's called I think it's called like th- the the ultimate whiskey bible or something like that. But it's like three hundred different types of whiskey, bourbon, scotch, and like it gives you every fact you could ever want about each one. It's really cool. I'll try to. Find yeah, there's it. there's so much to know. I <laughs> like I thought wine was complicated. Like whiskey is a whole. It's crazy. And the words, what I find interesting is the words that this book like describes for the whiskeys. I am not a connoisseur and I'm not an expert on tasting, but like I have never tasted like subtle hints of vanilla in yeah. like, <laughs> bourbon. Like I just taste, I, 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 I might get some hate for this, but I taste a lot of the same thing. It's all delicious. I, I, I yeah. love whiskey. I love bourbon. I love all of it, but it, it all doesn't taste like fruits and like yeah. a lot of the things well, I read. I will say it took me years, but I've I, I've gotten to the point where it's like I could probably do a blind taste test of like Makers, Jack, Four Roses, um, and maybe a couple others, and I could probably tell you which which was which just by tasting them. But it took a long time to get to that point. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like I, the, the, this guy, my friend who drinks scotch, like he, he'll like go on about like smokiness and like how he can how he can tell how long it's been aged by like you know how his tongue tingles or something i'm like whatever dude <laughs> <laughs> i'm getting drunk like it's <laughs> <laughs> so funny um okay if you could live anywhere in the world besides new york where would you be oh man um pretty happy here in new york but if i could be anywhere i would say it would probably have to be in europe somewhere I'll say, mm. I'll say Stockholm. Sweden is like, Sweden's perfect. Oh, cool. It's cold, I, yeah. I'm going to Europe for the first time ever um, next Friday. Oh, wow. Yeah, cool. I'm so excited. I won't be going there, though. Bummer. Darn yeah. But yeah, it's, I mean, there are amazing places everywhere in Europe. So. Yeah, it'll be great. Okay. Yeah. What did you eat for breakfast? Uh, two eggs. Yum. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> I like it. Um, if you have a nick, do you have a nickname? Like someone's nicknamed you something, and you and you like it. What's what's your favorite nickname? If you have one. Uh, no, actually, no. And and when I was young, um, people would just call me Manson. Okay. So that's it. That's that's nice. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. good. <laughs> okay. Um, do you have any like pet peeves? Like any pet peeves that really stand out? Yeah, like when people smack when they chew their food, it drives me absolutely insane. And actually, um, I have a friend, one of my good friends is, he's getting his PhD in psychology. So apparently they just like identify, they they consider it like a very like mild disorder, but there's, (laughs) they they think it, it actually might be a brain thing. Like there's a small percentage of the population can't stand like seeing or hearing other people eat it's like it's kind of like a phobia or something and uh because i'm always like complaining to my friends like dude can you like eat a little bit quieter like please it's like it's like nails on a chalkboard when i hear somebody smacking so wait the disorder is in the person that smacks or in the person that can't stand it can't stand it oh okay i thought you were saying like there's a smacking disorder. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> that's really funny. Oh. Uh, no, that's that's interesting because if that's real, then that's in that runs in my family because all the women 
for some reason on my mom's side of the family, including me, that is our number one pet peeve. We can't even be around people who do it. So our dinners, our big family dinners are very, very polite and quiet, which is lovely. But I had a roommate once who did that and I could hear her from her bedroom when I'm in the living room watching TV (laughs) and I would like text her and be like, can you please close your mouth when you're chewing? It was awful. It was so hard. Yeah, it's terrible. And like people who slurp their drinks. Yeah, I, I have a friend who does it. I traveled once with him. And I just like I kept my headphones on a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I did this. That is so funny. I had a travel friend who did that as well, and he would always. I would always like just stare him down. Looking back, I'm like, man, I wish I <laughs> could have just like put in headphones too. But I just was staring at him, like telling him to stop with my eyes, and it was awful. But yeah. eventually, I think I I helped him turn into more of a a gentleman, a cotillion. Okay. Um, what is your biggest quality turn on in a partner? So in your wife, like quality wise, what do you love? So w- what do you mean by quality? Like patience. She's oh, okay. kind or like what? Like personality. Traits. Yes. Yes. Okay. Or like behavior. Um, actually it's intelligence and that's been true my whole life. Like I, a really, really smart woman like turns me on like crazy. Mm. Always been true. That's good. I like that. Okay, three people you'd invite to your perfect dinner party, dead or alive. You could know them or you could not know them. Oh, man. I'd invite Miles Davis. Um, I guess like Oscar Wilde mm. and Napoleon. There you go. How about that? That would be a <laughs> very interesting dinner party. What would y'all eat? Yeah. Oh, and Jesus. And Jesus. Oh, my goodness. That got so much more exciting. <laughs> what What would be the main course? Uh, we, we would give – Jesus would, would produce fish and bread and yes. turn the water into wine. That's what he would – that's the only – he would be the cook. That's what would happen. Jesus would be the cook. He'd stay in the kitchen. The rest of us would, you know, get, get feisty in the dining room. <laughs> great um if love tasted like a flavor what would it be oh my man i'm actually i'm gonna go so i have an article that i really like um it's called romances like alcohol and um it makes a lot of like kind of funny but also philosophical comparisons between drinking and falling in love. And um, I'm going to go with wine because it's an acquired taste. It completely intoxicates you the first few times you drink it and you do a lot of stupid stuff. And it has a little bit of an edge to it. Like it's, it stings a little bit. Like it's kind of hard to drink it sometimes. That was the best answer to that question ever. Thank you. That's awesome. I win. I win. Most people, (laughs) not that I'm knocking others, but the years are just like strawberries, strawberries. I'm like, okay, (laughs) but why? (laughs) It's always strawberries. So I was really interested to hear what you would say. Yeah. If you joined the circus, what would your position be? Um, Probably... I'd probably be the guy who cleans up the elephant poop. 
Because okay. <laughs> I'm not physically, physically I'm not very talented. <laughs> <laughs> what What is a must-read book besides yours, obviously? What's another one people should check out? Um, the one I mentioned earlier, Stumbling on Happiness, is one of my favorite, probably my favorite book related to happiness. And then my favorite book, period, um, is War and Peace by Tolstoy. And people hear that and they're like, God, are you, you're like a English nerd sucking up to the teacher. And it's, no, I'm not. It's actually a fantastic book. Um, it's still very readable today and um, just an incredible work of art and an incredible story as well. So um, people want a nice long read that will keep them occupied for a long time and keep them thinking. And, and uh, I definitely recommend War and Peace. And the very last question, if you had a movie about your life, who would you cast to play the part of you? Um, I mean, I think it'd have to be like Ryan Gosling because, you know, it's got to be really good looking, really, yeah. really good looking. Um, yeah, that's it. That's the only requirement. Yeah, I think he, I think he can do a really good part then. I think he'll do awesome. I think he'd, he'd, he'd handle it fine. <laughs> or like Gerard Butler, because in a way you kind of look like. Do I look like him? No. <laughs> yes. Oh. I think so. I don't even remember what he I've got to Google him now. Gerard remember. Butler. He is the guy in the citizen, uh, law-abiding citizen. And London is falling. I'll take that. Yeah. I mean, he is very you, nice looking. If you think I look like Al. Your face shape. Your face Gerard shape. Butler, it is. Yeah. Actually, there was um, who was there was a celebrity that people used to always tell me I looked like. Oh, I used to look like John Mayer, um, mm. but uh, when I was younger. But it's funny, actually. Uh, one of my readers sent me. Apparently, there's a um, a football player in Spain, and when I say football, I mean soccer. Um, a soccer player in Spain who literally looks exactly like me and a reader sent me the picture once and i showed like it was creepy it was like somebody photoshopped my face onto this guy but i don't don't remember that's that's such a surreal experience when you see someone that looks like you it's so weird beautiful well thank you thank you thank you thank you so much mark for coming on the podcast i am thrilled with our conversations and just really excited to get everyone's ears with this this episode so many people were stoked that you're coming on so thank you for making this happen thank you maddie guys this is episode 139 so if you want to go to uh check it out and get all of the links that we mentioned in this episode you can do that there and you can get his book over there and check out his website markmanson.net and if you haven't yet downloaded your course how to powerfully live your one life you can do that over there as well and i'll see you guys soon 